So here's to all of the good thinkers. Welcome to Building the Bach, and I'm your host, Jason Spies. In our next segment, we sit down with Target Logistics founder and chairman, Brian Lash. This weekly one-on-one interview is sponsored by Montana Rig Mats. Honest workers, competitive prices, punctual timelines. That's Montana Rig Mats. Made in Montana, delivered anywhere. Check out their website, www.mtrigmats.com. That's www.mtrigmats.com. Or give them a call, 1-855-444-MATS. That's 1-855-444-MATS. That's Montana Rig Mats. Made in Montana, delivered anywhere. And now back to our weekly one-on-one interview. This week, the founder and chairman of Target Logistics, Brian Lash. Brian Lash, founder and chairman, Target Logistics. Well, let's start with the uh, maybe the genesis of uh, Target Logistics. Uh, okay, so I was on my way to medical school. Uh, got disenchanted. I wanted to really be a businessman and um, wanted to be in a business that let me do the two things that I love the most, which is sports and travel. So I started a sport travel company. And uh, that was in 1978. I was 21 years old. I had 3,800 hours and uh, ran the business out of my apartment. Uh, Started off doing ski tours in the winter and teaching tennis in the summer and then started going year-round with adventure travel, whitewater rafting, golf, scuba, sailing. And then uh, got into the special event travel business, working for the Orange Bowl, taking all the uh, teams to the football game, the bands for the parade, the tennis players for the Rolex Junior Tennis Tournament. And that from the Orange Bowl, um, I got to uh, work full-time, well not full-time, I was the exclusive tour and travel operator for Florida State, did all their sports travel. And then from there, started doing special events like Woodstock and Olympic Games. And as my involvement in the Olympic Games got bigger, and it was all for me about scalability, um, I started not doing individuals to the Olympics, but started handling um, countries, Denmark, Norway, huge corporations like Motorola, and finally, the U.S. government. So started working a lot with security. And come... uh, Come the aftermath of 9-11, Target Logistics housed thousands of federal agents that were brought in to lock down Salt Lake against another invasion. Thousands of U.S. military also to protect the uh, Olympics from terrorism. While that was going on, we were also invited to bid on projects in Iraq. And we won a very large project in Iraq to build and operate a man camp for 2,200 soldiers and we operated for the DOD in Basra during the second uh, Iraq invasion. Had that for a number of years. Simultaneously, figured if we're doing it in a war zone, three quarters of the way around the world, we could certainly do it for Hess and Halliburton. And uh, I was continuing my Olympic work, built a very large but temporary city for Olympic security in Whistler for the Vancouver Olympic Games, where the Alpine venues were. It slept 1,700 people, and it was only operable for 70 days. Halliburton came and saw it while it was up and being used for Olympic security, 
and said, we want that building because it was built for extreme weather conditions and it was very uh, uh, efficient. It took up a small footprint. It was tall. It was multiple stories made of 185 uh, 8x40 containers. We moved that here to Williston, North Dakota in April of 2010, immediately after the Olympics ended in, uh, in March. And that was our first uh, asset here in North Dakota. Was Williston? Was Williston. But oddly, even though the whole camp, the lodge, was brought to Williston in April, we opened another lodge first that was made of more traditional modular projects, which today is called our Williston North Lodge. So that opened first. The Halliburton facility, now called the Muddy River Lodge, opened second. And in 2010, I was sitting right here. I had a booth at this show and was literally writing orders, sitting at my booth. Um, my whole life I spent trying to sell people on my products and services, but it was very rare that there was ever a line to sign contracts with me. And that's what was happening in 2010. I already had Halliburton as a client. Thank God, they're the greatest folks. Uh, then we landed some other illustrious clients like Hess and uh, did a great job and word spread and we uh, became the dominant player in our industry, um, not only in the Bakken but in the United States in a matter of three, four years. So, What do you uh, make of the Bakken just, just as a uh, 5,000 foot view from your perspective and, and your background? As far as maybe where do you see it going in your industry, but also overall, because you do talk to a lot of very key people in the industry. Well, I'd like to find the next Bakken, but I don't know if it exists because this, for us, in a great way, was a perfect storm. You have a lot of oil. You have good oil. It's efficient and economical to mine. You have a region of the United States that's fairly desolate with very little infrastructure and very cold. That adds up to a huge demand for life support, quality life support, or otherwise known as remote workforce housing. In Texas, there's a lot of oil, but there's also a lot of infrastructure, lots of small towns, lots of fast food, lots of small motels and apartment complexes, and you can actually sleep in an RV if you wanted to and make it through the winter. So, as far as our growth here in the Bakken goes, we're very happy with our current position. We've probably got 60-70% market share. We have over 4,200 bedrooms here in North Dakota. We're running over 90%. We are very proud of what we've accomplished, but I still think there's some growth. We have some clients we're talking to about maybe expanding a few locations, but simultaneously we have some locations that are getting smaller because we had the gigantic facility we built for Hess with 1,100 rooms and a 100-slot RV park, and that was for their gas plant, which is now done. So that uh, that's our only lodge that's not full, really, in North Dakota. Um, so we're moving slower, uh, but we still see a little bit of growth. I think we could be... We could grow another 10% in, in, in the Balkan in the next... Uh, 12 to 24 months, or we may not grow at all, but we're certainly not going to shrink because we're, we are almost full. How many locations do you have now? In North, in, in North Dakota. In North Dakota, I think we have 11. 11? 
Former Governor Schaefer sits on the Board of Directors for Continental Resources. He, uh, he talks about, he's spoken to me about how changing some of the regulations and the tax laws allowed that oil and gas movement to cross borders from Canada into the United States. Canada and the United States have some different rules and regulations. How does that play into your particular industry? I've heard that Canada almost welcomes these, uh, these manufactured crew camps, temporary crew camps, almost with open arms. What, uh, what, what do you make about the relationship or the regulation differences between Canada and the United States? Canada is more accepting of workforce housing than almost all the communities in, in America that do have oil or minerals. Um, it's more of a way of life, particularly in the oil sands. Um, and on a self-serving basis, I'd like to see um, a little more support for what we do because we are necessary to allow the economic growth and to prevent a real estate bubble from popping. If Williston and other communities keep building to meet what they think is an endless demand, there will come a reckoning. Workforce housing can be the band-aid, can be the bridge. Until such time that things level off, our facilities can be built, can be operable, and can be moved. And we can remediate the land back to farmland or whatever use the, the uh, community thinks is appropriate. But you can't pick up 180 apartments and move them. You can't pick up a residential development of 1,000 homes. And as motel and hotel operators are finding out, you can't pick up a brick and mortar hotel and move it. And occupancy is starting to fall in almost every city in the Balkan. And rents are going to start falling in the apartment complexes. This is why target logistics is necessary. We run the safest, cleanest, best operation in the industry. We're great stewards and custodians and we're very respectful of the community and we give a lot back not because we're gratuitous and not because we're trying to earn favor but because we believe in the communities in which we serve we encourage our employees to move bring their children their husbands and wives join the churches and we give back we call it giving back to the Bakken because we believe that we are fortunate to be operating in the backyard of these great communities with that said more Workforce housing should be encouraged, and I think that the apartment developers, hotel developers, and residential developers are are going to ho hopefully not soon, but one day there's going to be an oversupply, and that's where we come in. We we're 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 a manager of that, you know, and it's it's important. To listen to the full-length interview with the founder and chairman of Target Logistics, Brian Lash, visit our website www.buildingthebakken.com But don't you know Let this moment pass Interested in news from the Bakken? Sign up for the Building the Bakken newsletter at buildingthebakken.com of our grandfathers And here's to stopping and a picking flowers And here's to not letting this moment pass you by